We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. And I'm walking here! I'm walking here! Here's Johnny! You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Good afternoon and welcome to Unscripted, the film show. A uh, bit of a weird week for us here in Australia. We had a public holiday yesterday. We did. Uh, on a Wednesday and it's now Thursday. So we all went to work Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> had Wednesday off and now we're back Thursday, Friday. Uh, if you're listening, obviously, from elsewhere in the world, it may not apply to you unless you have some kind of <laughs> public holiday also. But it, it's a weird feeling having a day off midweek and then going back. It's very it's very strange. And it's uh, the, day, the, the day we have off, depending on... Uh, how you fall, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's either Australia Day or Invasion Day. Exactly. (laughs) So there's that debate as well. Uh, But just to introduce ourselves, I'm Cecilia. (laughs) Lewis is across from me in the studio. I am. And uh, Rachel is not in tonight. No. So just uh, Lewis and I, but we've got plenty to talk about, which is fantastic. A few movies that are a couple of weeks old, but hey, you know, they're still out there on the screens uh, and also a new rom-com. And then Fringe has been on in Perth WA, so if you want all the latest and uh, stuff about that, uh, then we've got it. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, But how how was your your, uh, day off yesterday? Well, (laughs) I have to admit I didn't do a lot. I actually watched Hamilton. Oh, uh, nice. Because I've got, for Christmas, I got a really nice big... TV mm. that my parents bought me, which was fantastic. And a friend of mine hadn't seen it. And I was like, well, why don't we watch Hamilton and, you know, sit down? And yeah, we watched that, which was great. And I've been listening to the soundtrack all day again. It's just one of those ones that you can rewatch over and over. Mm. So that's all I did. But what about you, Lewis? Uh, okay. So yesterday morning, uh, Kat and I, we got up, went to, to Rustico, and we noticed that we had a Bring Out Your Dead going on. And I said this to you before, and you look really confused. I was confused because I thought this was some bizarre tradition that you and your family do. Uh, bring out your dead. Yeah. Tell, what is bring out your dead? Tell so, me what so it is. So bring out your dead is, is basically when your council has a curbside collection. And so, you know, people just go, well, I don't need this anymore. So I go and leave it on the curb. And yes. that's that's been lovingly referred to as bring out your dead. See, I knew it as curbside pickup yeah. or whatever it's called, but I have never heard that term before. And I honestly thought... <laughs> That you were, you had some weird tradition that I had never heard of. That in all the time I've known you, that I, you've just you do this thing, and I was really thinking like, what could this be? Because there are some weird traditions in the world, and I honestly thought bring out your dead day was some weird thing that maybe you brought out the ashes <laughs> of your loved ones or something. <laughs> I don't know. I was very complex. No, um, there, there was there was like initially the term bring out your dead uh, did refer to. Uh, during the plague where people would be dying in their droves and, and bring they'd bring them out and throw them into carts. Uh, have you ever seen, um, is it uh, uh, the li- is it Life of Brian? Yes. Uh, or is it, which one, is it Life of Brian or the Holy Grail? It's one of those, Monty Pythons anyway, where they do the, the bring out your dead, bring out your dead, and then somebody's like bringing someone out and they goes, I'm not dead yet, and then they like whack them over the head. Oh, you know, no. All very, very funny stuff. But, yeah, we did that and then we uh, rearranged our garage, um, yeah, threw, threw out like stuff we didn't need anymore. Yep. Rearrange the garage. It felt like we'd achieved something. I was going to say, it sounds like you had a very productive mm. 
day, which is great. Well, so. to a point that we went and drank beer. Um, oh, well, you've got to treat yourself somewhere, don't you? Yeah. Can't, can't be all, you know, business. Got to have some fun and games mixed in with the... With that, so there you go. But um, speaking of Fringe and Perth and, mm. and whatnot, um, we seen a wonderful show uh, called Buff. I'm also a little bit complex because you're wearing sunglasses inside, which I can only assume they're your glasses and you've forgotten your normal regular glasses. Yeah, well, we, we, we did uh, cover this off last week's show because um, my uh, sunglasses, to be able to get uh, sunglasses uh, from my um, Medicare, uh, like because they give me a, a free pair of glasses every year, but I can only get sunglasses. They're prescription sunglasses. Yeah. But these are actually multifocal. So it's at the bottom is the prescription bit and then the top bit is just like normal glass. Nice. So then I can use these as sunglasses but I can also read with them. And, yes, I did forget to bring my reading glasses and now my eyesight is so terrible. It's a cool look. Trust me. It's, it's a great look. But, um, yeah, we've seen this fantastic show uh, by one of our close friends, actually, Gavin Bond and uh, some of his other friends. But I'll let you chat a bit more about Fringe because you're, you're the expert there. Well, yeah, Fringe is still going on. Uh, it is awesome. Uh, admittedly, uh, a few shows, quite a few shows, uh, had to be cancelled because obviously uh, we were expecting our borders to be opened up on the mm-hmm. 5th of February. But now due to massive increases in uh, the uh, old seabird over in the eastern states, um, the uh, borders are staying shut in uh, indefinitely at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, some people who are coming over can't now. And so, uh, but hopefully they'll, they'll like maybe put on some more local shows, like extend the seasons of some people's shows or, or whatnot. Um but there's still a lot of good stuff to go and see. So uh, we went and saw Buff, uh, which is the uh, show that, uh, as you said, Gav um, is putting on with John and uh, Ronnie. And it's a show where they're taking their f- – uh, Gav's taking the short film he made with Ian Abercrombie and they're showing bits of it, uh, but talking about movies and what it is to be a film buff and, um, you know, talking about people's, like, favourite films and worst films and, you know, their... their um, uh, their Was it Best Scene or... Yeah, Best Scene as well. Scene yeah. Of a film? Yeah. Um, and, and also uh, their, their uh, Guilty Pleasures because yes. we've all got Guilty we Pleasures. Do, we do, um, so yeah, it's very a very interactive show, which is which is really good. And the people who went to the, the one we saw, which was fairly packed out, uh, they were very into it, and everyone was really wanted to talk about their favourite films. And so, if you are a film buff, and if you're not, why are you listening to this show? <laughs> um, then this is definitely a good show to go and see at, at uh, Fringe. And not only do you go and see the show and interact, but you also win free tickets to go and see movies. So, you do, if um, you interact. So they encourage you to, to be talkative and, and share your thoughts. And exactly. Like that. And, uh, yeah, so there's uh, another wait, uh, showing a buff is on – Oh, that's that's oh yeah. So Saturday the 29th, there is uh, a showing of um, another um, lot of buff, which you can go and check out, uh, and it's only fifteen bucks. Yeah. So if you go <laughs> and you spend fifteen bucks to go to the buff, enjoy yourself, get some tickets, then you're already coming out ahead, really, yeah. at the end of the day. So uh, yeah, definitely go and, and check out buff. Now I saw this other show as well that is at the Subiaco Art Centre. Now. As far as um, as far as fringe shows go, 
uh, for my money, a fringe show should only be an hour long. Right. An hour long. It's a fringe show, hour long, because you should be able to like fit multiple shows in in a night. But this is – I'm going to give this one a pass. Um, okay. it's a It's a musical called Time Capsule. It's an original musical. Uh, I've been like – you know, because we haven't been able to travel anywhere, I when, when Kat and I travel, if we go to London, we love going to the West End. If we go to uh, New York, we love going to Broadway. Uh, but we haven't been able to do that. Haven't been able to see any musicals in a very long time. Um, but they had this uh, musical called Time Capsule, an original musical, uh, and it is about uh, the uh, Dunedin High School 10-year reunion. Uh, and they they graduated in 2012 and have their 10-year reunion now. And it's all about like you know where people are at now and you know what things were like in high school. It's a very relatable kind of subject. Uh, but it was it was great. It was um. It sounded like a, a a musical to me, so it was funny. It was uh, you know just it was good. It was really good. So uh, if you want to go and see a musical, I would uh, highly recommend uh, going and checking this one out. Um, the tickets are selling fast. They've got shows uh, tonight from eight pm to nine thirty. Uh, Friday they've also got a show from eight pm to nine thirty, and Saturday they have a. Uh, showing at 3 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. and then a second one at 8 to 9.30. Oh, so plenty of opportunity. Four more shows to go. Uh, so go and check that out. What, uh, what sort of price uh, uh, are those those tickets going for? Uh, they are $35 for those ones. That's not bad. So it's an hour and a half. Yeah. It's a little bit longer than your average yeah. hour show, but you're seeing something worth it yeah the full, musical full is, cast yeah, yeah. so that, that one's really good uh and i'm gonna uh do another one which is uh, hopefully this one's still playing uh it's bogan shakespeare uh now these guys have been doing uh shows for fringe for i think it's like seven years now mm. so every year they're doing a different play whether it's like romeo and juliet hamlet you know they, they do all different uh i different do plays. recall you kind of mentioning them previous mm. years so that's awesome uh, and this year they're doing a uh, bogan shakespeare presents julius caesar oh. and this version of julius caesar is set down in bustleton in a bunning store so i <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, this one is uh, a, a fringe hour, so it's an hour-long show. Condenses Julius Caesar down into that you know, hour, which I think is the best way to consume Shakespeare, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> Just but, hour chunks yeah, of everything. Exactly. But, but don't concern yourself if you're thinking you're going to have to deal with uh, Shakespearean verse and all this kind of stuff. There is none of that in there. It is taking... It's mate. Yeah, it's taken the, the William Shakespeare, the Willow Shakespeare uh, thing uh, and then just making it in your... your Aussie kind of uh, way, but the, the story is still there. You can clearly see the, the story uh, is still there. So there is uh, shows uh, tonight. Uh, there's also two shows tomorrow at uh, 4.30 uh, to 5.30 and then 7.30 to 8.30. And then on Saturday there is another showing uh, 7.30 to 8.30. Now, tickets to this are getting very scarce. So if you do want to go, I would find out if there uh, is shows available ASAP. Excellent. That sounds like one that I think a lot of people will want to want to see. Yes, we can relate to and the it, Aussiness. It's at the uh, uh, the the State Theatre, and it's in the the the, the theatre that's in the basement, mm-hmm. and it's 
quite a sizable room and the, the the showing we saw was packed out so yeah they've really got an audience for this i love how fringe takes you all over perth i think that's so <laughs> cool and it takes you to all these really intimate uh locations that sometimes you've not even ever been to i mean we're lucky i mean the buff uh, buff was out the back lot which we have been to but i know a lot of people who haven't been there mm. and they get to experience these really cool uh locations as well although i don't know how handy it is if you're trying to see you know three shows in one night the the travelling component of that. But. Well, I mean, there are a lot of – if you want to see three shows a night in the city centre, it should be fairly easy to be able to piece those together because yeah. you've got the pleasure gardens and then you've got all these other rooms that are in the city. Um, but, yeah, it, it should be fairly easy to do that. Um, you go to girls' school and, yeah. you know, the girls' school, usually you can get shows a, a consecutive there. Uh, but, yeah, if you're going to go to one that's in Fremantle and then one that's in Subi and then one that's in Perth, it does make it very difficult. Probably <laughs> try and plan that a little bit better. Yeah. If, if, yeah, maybe maybe do that. Maybe do them different nights. I don't know. But um, then you can experience all the wonderful cuisine and <laughs> what Perth has. And it, it's been wonderful weather. Sorry, we're very lucky here oh, at the moment. It has been great weather. But I'm, I'm very thankful for the reprieve for the last couple of days with uh, the, the cooler nights. So, mm. oh, my goodness. It has been a hot one. It has been a hot one. Well, we are going to take a uh, – that, that's all for Fringe? I, I think so for now. If for I now. think of anything else, I shall when come back to When does Fringe ca- carry through to? It's mid, uh, mid-February. Is, so there's plenty more. Yeah, there's yeah. a couple, couple more weeks to go. But, uh, yeah, it's just some good stuff out there. Uh, Luke Boland's got a show on as well. Uh, so uh, I'd recommend it. It's called Bubble Boy, I think. Um, so that's really good. That one kicks off next week mm-hmm. um, and yeah uh, just some really good stuff to check out there awesome so. so Unscripted the film show will keep you updated each week on all your fringe needs Indeed. but uh, for now we'll take a small break and we'll be back Hey Rachel Hey yeah Are you enjoying the podcast? Always That's great Heaps funny Do you know who else is here? Cecilia Hey Cecilia Hi guys I'm really enjoying it Where can we find more of this? The Gentleman of Pop culture.com or facebook and instagram that's awesome and what can we find there lou what you're going to find on there is Wozcast, the whiskey appreciation society podcast you will also find diz down under which is the disney podcast or the disney appreciation podcast you will also find unscripted the film show which is the weekly film review show where cecilia rachel and myself talk about the films that are coming out and if they're good or bad or whether you should spend your money on them how's that it's great. You're forgetting Tangent City. Oh, of course, yeah, Tangent City. What should we do right now? Where we go off on tangents and we have one little like uh, topic and we go all over the place. So it's fantastic. There's lots to listen to. Yeah, you can find us on all of your podcast networks. Yes. Just look for us. Please like, rate, review, subscribe, all of that stuff. Well done. In harmony. <laughs> You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Welcome back to Unscripted, the film show. Now, we all know Serena and Venus Williams. Well, I hope we do. Lewis, you know who Serena and Venus Williams are? Kind of. Like, I'm not really a sports person, so I know the names, but I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. Do you know what sport they play? Uh, tennis ball. Tennis ball. Yes, tennis is correct. It's just tennis, Ah, not tennis ball. I thought it was all like all different sports balls. You know, you got soccer balls and footballs. Oh, yeah, that's true. So it is a tennis ball. They they hit tennis balls. They do hit tennis balls. Correct. So they are, of course, famous 
sisters. They're both really well-versed in the the game of tennis. So King Richard is a new film out. It's out in cinemas now. It's been out for about a week or two. And it's a bit of a biopic. And it centres mainly on Richard William, uh, played by Will Smith in the film. And he is the father and coach to the tennis legends, Serena and Venus. So was he like a tennis coach before the kids were born? Pretty much. And so he's just trained these kids from like birth. Exactly. So him and his wife um, played tennis. He was really good. He was a coach. Uh, And while Williams did release a memoir um, titled Black and White, The Way I See It, which is about his life and growing up, the film is more about the making of Serena and and Venus. Mm. Um, So it's not necessarily a biopic exactly on um, Richard but more a kind of origin story, if you like, Mm -hmm. of Venus and Serena. So it's set in the early 90s and it kind of starts in Compton, uh, where the Williams family live. And Richard is quite a determined father who's actually drafted this plan before the girls were even born. It's like a 76-page plan on how to make them or to build them to be professional tennis players, which sounds a bit crazy, sounds a bit bizarre. And... It's a bit interesting to watch because I do know who the sisters are, but I didn't really know where they came mm. from. And I think, yeah, it's it's interesting that this guy had drafted that plan and has kind of made them who they are today. And it sounds crazy. He had them out there playing in the rain and, that you know. That sounds really sad. It does <laughs> sound sad, but the biopic or this film at least presents it that the sisters wanted it just as much as... He wanted it too. And he doesn't come across as a nasty father. He's very determined. Uh, So, I mean, I don't necessarily know what he was like in real life. I have seen some images and footage of him speaking and he seems like a genuine person. Mm. And and both Serena and Venus were, you know, just as involved in their careers as he was. And also, you know, even though he drafted out specific plans for them, both of the girls did go their own way at at Mm. points too. So they kind of said, no, I'm not ready for this. So they did have a say in it as well. And I think, you know, Smith is really good at, you know, um, inha- inhabiting mm. Richard Williams as a as a person. And you've also got um, Sonia Sidney and Demi Singleton who play Venus and Serena respectively. And they're brilliant in their roles as well as these young girls who grow up and, and, and that. It's quite a long film at 145 minutes. And I think some scenes could have been left out. But I still really enjoyed this. There's some, you know, great shots and some tennis shots. And, you know, unfortunately the girls were in a sport which was predominantly played by white people at Mm. this point. So having two young black girls on court and even just trying to find a coach for them because even though Williams coached them, he needed to find a high-profile coach to take them all the way and someone that had, you know, names and someone who had a say in the tennis world to get them to Wimbledon and to other really high-level competitions. So he had to reach out to all these people who were trying to, you know, willing to give them a chance Mm. and things Mm. like that. So I really enjoyed this. I love tennis. I used to play tennis as a kid. So I think maybe if you like tennis and you like sports, you might be interested in seeing this. I don't know where you stand from maybe not a tennis Person? Well, I see sometimes like uh, I've seen biopics about mm. certain sports or even car racing and stuff like that, which I have zero interest in. But as long as they're well-told stories, mm. they're still very engaging. Exactly. Like uh, that, that um, Ride Like a Girl. Mm. Absolutely hate horse racing, but like that was still a very engaging film. 
exactly. Yeah, and I, I quite enjoyed this and I think people have come to kind of see Will Smith as same, same and whatnot. But he actually did a really good role, uh, job in this role. But I would like to probably go back and, yeah, just do a little bit more research on um, Richard as a person as well. But, yeah, I just think it's phenomenal. And these girls were offered multi-million dollar contracts at just the age of 14. Mm. And there's this really tense scene. And I don't want to – I don't have all my facts in front of me, but one of the sisters, and I can't remember if it's Venus or Serena, so one of them kind of got famous more quickly. I Mm. think it might have been Serena. And she was offered, I think, $5 million from Nike – Uh, at 14 and turned it down. She turned this deal down and then was later offered $14 million by Reebok. Um, So I don't know if that's exactly the figures, but Mm. they were multi-million dollar figures that were like tripled by Reebok when she turned down the offer from Nike. And it was so tense because you had this moment, you had the coach sitting there going, take the deal, like we're going to lose everything. Mm. And then you had, you know, Serena and Venus were like, no, no. And then their father fully supporting them on that decision. He's like, no, girls, you do what you want to do, yeah. uh, which was just fantastic. Did so, she not want to take because she didn't like Nike shoes? Well, <laughs> I think it's because she just – I think she knew she could do better, <laughs> which is interesting. But, yeah, I'm just trying to get the exact figures in front of me to see uh, – so I'm, I'm telling the truth when I uh, – where is it? Maybe I'll get the details up um, during our next mm-hmm. break just so I I'm, I'm, know I'm saying – Oh, no, here we go. I could have signed with any sports brand, but this was the most promising and felt right for me. So that's what 16-year-old Serena Williams said in 1998. So obviously she didn't feel, didn't feel right with Nike, mm. but when she got offered the Reebok um, one, it obviously felt, felt right. So she was 16, I, I apologise, but still such a young age to be offered so much money. Oh, God. Uh, which is absolutely insane. So, yeah, basically they were at this conference table and there was negotiations lasting more than 12 hours about these contracts and, yeah, it just went through different ones and, yeah, absolutely insane. So it is quite a tense film in in, in some parts when they're talking about those kind of things as well. It's like, take the money, take the (sighs) money, but then to get offered even more is just absolutely uh, insane. So, um, yeah. I'm still trying to find the exact figures, but oh, it doesn't matter. It was just, she gave up a lot of a lot of money for a bit more money. It might have even been Puma. I might even be oh, okay. <laughs> Reebok. No, I think it might have been Puma. I do apologise. So uh, here we go. Was involved in a 12 million endorsement agreement with Puma. So yeah, it must have been Puma. <laughs> but she was originally offered it with Nike, and it was like a tinier. Amount and then, I'm yeah. I'm going to suggest that based on the fact that you couldn't remember which shoe brand it was, they didn't spend their money wisely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they all blend into one. I don't know them yeah. at all. But look, I think, yeah, it's an interesting biopic. It's an interesting story about where these girls come from. Uh, and, you know, both Venus and Serena served as producers of the film. Oh, okay. So you know there's some truth mm. to it. You know it's not completely contrived, mm. which I think is great. You know there's definitely some, yeah, truth to this story as well because I don't think they're going to sit there and, and make up stuff about their father and, and yeah. their lives and, and things like that. It sounds like a very interesting film. I'm going to recommend it to my mum. Oh, is she a tennis fan? She loves tennis. Does she? She loves it. Ooh. 
will get. I, I don't understand it myself because you get a quick neck just looking back and forth. From, <laughs> you go back yeah. and forth. It's fun to play. Tennis is very, very fun to play. Well, if you're good at it, I suppose. But uh, if you're like me, then uh, you know, somebody would like serve the ball to you and you'd miss it and then you'd uh, you'd serve it back to them and you'd just slam it back at you and you'd miss it again. So no, I, I'd be terrible. Because so, you were a very sporty child. I was. Yeah. Um, my brother and I both played tennis and we both uh, – we were in a sports group that it wasn't um, based on gender. You just played oh, with yeah. everybody. And I remember we were uh, doubled up and my brother was on one team and I was on the other team. We both made it to the finals, which made it very difficult for my parents to <laughs> to sit there and um, cheer us yeah. on. My brother did defeat me, oh. but, uh, you know, who knows? I've still got time to take him out on the court and hopefully win that back. So, <laughs> no, it's good fun. Well, I, it was I good. enjoy tennis. It was good for your parents because they, they're like no-lose situation there. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, you can do it. They're like, who do we go for? But, you know, I always knew my brother. My brother's definitely more sporty than I am, so I always knew he was going to defeat me. But, hey, I got to the finals. I made it. Um, I lost and really, really badly lost. But, hey, there you go. (laughs) So, yeah, I might get back into a bit of tennis. I've been inspired again uh, to go out and play. But um, it's crazy. These girls, the way they hit those balls back and forth. How like fast are those balls going when they hit them? Is I it, don't know. It's got to be incredibly fast. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's an interesting scene as well. You've got is it John McIntyre who was a famous tennis McEnroe. player? McEnroe. McEnroe. Who's McIntyre? He's uh, a well wrestler, Drew McIntyre. But yes. I don't think McEnroe. <laughs> there's actually a very small scene in this film where he he's there. But there was a documentary a few years ago about him, which was quite interesting to watch as well because he was one of those real difficult, players. very very fiery on the court. Like very fiery. Uh, uh, it was back in the day when I, I'd be seeing the, the sports at my grandparents' house because that's all they had on. And, uh, yeah, it was very, very entertaining seeing golf with the umpires. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tennis is interesting because you've got a few. I mean, there's Nick Kyrgios as well who's a bit aggressive on the court. And there was – oh, actually watching this King Richard, there's the final scene where Serena's out on court. It's at Wimbledon and she's playing against uh, one of the top sports um, I, again, I don't have her name in front of me, but there was a scene, and I don't know how truthful it is. I think this actually happened where she was losing against Serena. So she called a timeout to go to the toilet, which you can do. You right. can, if you need to go to the bathroom, you can call timeout. But she spent really long in there, so it was building this kind of tension in Serena. And I was like, oh, foul move. Like, you did that on purpose to throw her off. Don't they give you, like, a time limit for your wins? Well, apparently not. I mean... I mean, it might have changed yeah. since, but apparently not. If you need to go to the toilet, you've got to go to the toilet, right? Mm. They don't actually... So the people are standing around like, you, you know, you've been thrown out of the game essentially because she was on kind of... On a roll on there. On a roll mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it stopped and it... Yeah, so... And she did lose the game, unfortunately, her very big first game, but regardless, she's gone on to have such a successful career as long, along with her sister as well. But, um, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. I'm going to score it uh, four... Automatic ball dispensers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so original. <laughs> so original. Um, so I have two more films to review tonight. One's a rom-com and one's a horror. Mm-hmm. Should, we, should we go to an ad first and then we'll come ad. back to That's the... Great yeah. idea. Let's do that. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You are listening to Unscripted, the film show. The cinemas are still open despite the 
pandemic, which is great. There's lots to do and see out there, particularly with your independent local cinemas. Check those out. They always have some fantastic events on, whether it be uh, some old classics, uh, interaction events, The Room, the most terrible film in the world. is always having showings and screenings where you can throw spoons at the screen and do whatever you want. But uh, I'm going to move on to a new film which is out called The Hating Game. It's out at today officially in select cinemas. Uh, It is a rom-com. It's been adapted from a 2016 novel of the same name. Lewis has just come back. He was on a mission out doing something. I was just explaining that I'm going to turn to a rom-com. Right, okay, sounds good. What film genre I usually go to? Because Rachel was doing did a rom com last week as oh, well. Oh, I hope it's not the same rom com. Which which rom com is this? This is called the Hating Game. The Hating Game. Um, Let me check because she did send me the things. Um, I don't want to repeat necessarily too much. Let me have a look. But we can if if uh, it is the same one, then you can give your opinion on it. She can, did review yeah. the Hating Game, which is absolutely fine. It's officially out today, so I can at least offer my opinion. Yes. Uh, about the film, I'll give people a brief rundown if they didn't listen to last week's show. Why weren't you listening to last week's show? What's wrong with you? What's wrong? <laughs> it's adapted from a 2016 novel of the same name by Sally Thorne, who's a fairly new author. Uh, and it centres around Lucy Hutton, played by Lucy Hale, who a lot of people will know from a TV show called Pretty Little Liars, very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joshua Templeman, played by Austin Stowell. And these guys are rivals at this newly merged publishing house in New York City. They've got the same ambitions, really. They're very... They're vying for this position of a kind of managing director of this company. So there's competition between these two. And they're polar opposites, really, and they're constantly bickering. And I guess the film is slightly predictable in a way because, as you probably guessed, the two begin developing feelings for one another. Who would have guessed it? So, look, I won't say much more than that. There's definitely a particular audience for this film. I'm not that audience. Uh, Perhaps I'm a little bit cynical towards (laughs) these romances. I don't know. Um, I prefer your old school romance films, you know, like Say Anything with John Cusack and his boombox and, you know, films with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, like The Wedding Singer. I kind of like those old school Rom-coms. So you don't like these these new school rom-coms where they hate each other until they find out they love each other? It just, it was just <laughs> really, this was a, I don't usually like to say films are terrible. I mm. usually look at a positive and a negative and I go, hey, look, this film tried. This was so bad. I was watching this and I was like, ew, what am I watching? I was like, this is just disgusting. I think, <laughs> I think Rachel uh, said she liked it. Oh, no. And, but she, she usually hates rom-coms, you see. Yeah. Okay. yeah, it's really – I'm going to have to ask her opinion because I thought that she would hate this film. Mm. I honestly thought she would hate this film. So maybe next week, if she's back next week, we'll have a bit of a discussion on what she liked about it <laughs> versus what I didn't. I mean, look, there were a few heated sexy moments in the film, I'm mm. not going to lie, and, they, you know, they're fun to watch. But, no, absolutely um, – yeah, just for, not for me, not for me. But I'm not the audience. I have to remember that. So, you know, I'm almost 30, so maybe this is more tailored towards people in their early 20s. Um, I'm going to score it uh, one and a half. Oh, <laughs> one wow. One and a half um, books. 
nice. books. Um, yeah, I, is this a film you'd watch? Yeah, I, I I'm interested because I'm intrigued after hearing what Rachel said last week and what you've said this week. I'm kind of interested to to check it out. Where is it showing? This is showing at select cinemas. Select cinemas, so right. So you can see it. I know it's playing at Hoyts yeah. uh, and some other cinemas. So you will have to find them. Uh, but, yeah, I, I wonder. I mean, it hasn't been a big marketing mm, campaign mm. for this that I've seen. It kind of came out of the blue. So, uh, yeah, I guess you will have to go looking for this one. But, I mean, it will make its way to streaming. And it is a good streaming film, one that you could just yeah. check on and go, oh, cool, yeah. I think that's where I'll probably watch it is wait until wait for streaming. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, so definitely if you if you like your romances, you might like it. Maybe the book's better, I don't know. <laughs> but um it just seems all good too good to be true. Like you're working with someone and then you meet them and then you fall in love. I don't know. I'm a bit cynical, clearly. Mm. Towards the old uh, love stories. I know. I think a lot of people meet up, meet at work, and then they uh, they they get married and stuff like that. But then you hope they stop working together because that would be awkward. Like if you're you you're so like work with the person you're going out with or married to. Yeah, it would be. I do know people who do that. Well, my uh, yeah, my former boss uh, and his wife they they both work in the same place. Wow, imagine that! Like seeing the, that person. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but seeing them at work. And then going home, yeah. seeing them again, and then seeing them on the weekend, and just constantly seeing that person. Well, probably the worst thing is that you so got nothing to talk about. It's yeah. like, would you believe what happened at work today? Yeah, yes. I was there. <laughs> like, it'd be so hard. You know? It doesn't create, yeah, because I think a lot of conversations that happen in relationships are going to be based around work from day to day. How was your day? Yeah. What did you do? I mean, yeah, if you don't have that, then you've got to find other things to talk about, which is uh, fascinating. Mm. Anyway. I mean, yeah, it, it is bizarre. I have had a workplace relationship before. Have didn't you? last long. But so, well, did you two were at the same workplace? We, we met at the same yeah. workplace. And you saw, so you were like seeing each other like pretty much all the time. Yeah, and yeah. Is that what killed the relationship? Or? It, in a way it did because it was kind of, we wouldn't speak a lot at work. Yeah, it didn't work obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I mean, it wasn't the worst thing and you can make it work but there are points where you go, oh, I kind of wish I worked somewhere else or I wish this person worked somewhere else. <laughs> Not in a bad way, but just so you can share those stories about work and, and things. Although there was still a lot to talk about because you'd often spend time talking about people at work that you didn't like <laughs> and that person knew exactly what you meant and like you'd be like, oh, yeah, that person's an absolute a-hole. And they were like, yeah, I agree. And it's, so that kind of made it interesting if you've got that level of conversation. And it, was the person you were with, were they on the same like level as you or was it? They, they different you, department. Oh, yeah, okay. different department. So we obviously didn't share the same working space. Like I could see them and they could see me yeah. so it was a little way, but we had completely different departments, which was fine. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, inter- it's an interesting dynamic. But, yeah, I think you can make it work if, you, if you're willing to and, yeah, if you, if you can make fun of it. I'm, I, at the moment, uh, Kat and I are watching Scrubs, uh, like re-watching ah. Scrubs for the un- unteenth That's time. That's all about love in the workplace, isn't it? There is, there is quite a bit of that. But there's, <laughs> it's kind of weird, though, that yeah, because that was in the late, uh, early 2000s mm. I think early 2000s when it was and how we've kind of like moved uh, society as a society since then and the power dynamics within relationships mm. particularly if you do work in the same uh, company or in the same industry yep. because there's um points within the show where they're dating people who are like they're like they're uh, the the like attending kind of oh, like doctor the senior versus the senior like a junior v- yeah, yeah yeah and and it's like you know there, there's that that 
power dynamic now mm-hmm. that we know about that if you're a, a person who can have an effect on someone's career, then uh, those kind of relationships uh, are a bit more difficult yeah. um, because th- you could be coercing people when you're in that kind of relationship. But mm. there's a there's one where there's Dr. Reed who's a female doctor and she's dating an intern and they uh, almost get married kind of thing. So it's just, yeah, it, it's interesting the way that if you look at um, things of the past, how the uh, the the the, the thing the uh, the way that we look at relationships today yeah. can affect how you look at that because it's like I'm watching the show just go oh should you be doing that I don't know because yeah, then, then you also had Grey's Anatomy which I don't know if you ever watched I did not watch uh, that one, no. that's kind of a similar setting it's not a comedy though it's more drama but you've got people who work in a hospital and they all fall in love mm-hmm. at some point but the interesting thing about that show and I can't speak for its series now because I don't watch it but I watched it in its early days. A lot of the men were in these high-powered positions and the women were in the lower positions Mm, and mm. they would kind of date. But it's just interesting now that you could easily flip those roles, couldn't you, and and look at it that way as well. True. There you go. But although I think that series is still going. Probably is, yeah. Don't know how they keep it going. But... I think people just like are not addicted, but they just like that's their 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 thing. They just watch that show. They like the fantasy, you mm. know, the 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 hot doctor and the I don't know. It, it's like a fantasy. It's weird. It's bizarre, isn't it? Well, one of the things I've really enjoyed with streaming is the fact that now we don't have these series that go on for twenty two episodes a season, oh my and goodness. then then they go on for years after years after years. Yep. Although. You know, you and um, uh, supernatural. supernatural. I mean, yep. the what's that there for you? <laughs> uh, but the uh, like, I love the fact that there everything is like you know six episodes or a long season would be ten episodes. Yeah. Um, so you kind of like in you watch a thing and then you're out. Yes. And and also now I'm glad they're not dumping uh, like a whole series in one hit. They're actually you know passing them out and giving us like one episode a week. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking forward to watching the Mandalorian. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to watching. Um, you, you, are you were there? You watched Suicide Squad with uh, Cat and I. Yes. yes. So Suicide Squad, there is a um, there is a spin-off uh, show, Peacemaker, yes, which is showing on. That. You've yeah. seen? It? I haven't seen. Like I've I've got it on my watch list. I'm yeah. like, yes, I am going to watch this because I, I think I'll enjoy it. Yeah, watch it. But like when you go home tonight, yeah. Even if you don't watch the full episode, just watch the opening credits of the first episode because they're the most amazing opening credits ever like you know it's the same credits every time you see the show but i defy you to not watch them every time you watch the show because it's just so ridiculous so yeah peacemaker is john cena playing his character from the suicide squad and it's yeah there's quite a lot of it to see on binge now and it is just awesome that's awesome. Yeah, I don't mind where they make you wait for a week because yeah. it, it's something to look forward to. Like you kind of get a little bit annoyed, but then the next week you're like, oh, my God, Tuesday nights, this is going to be on. And yeah. It's kind of exciting. It's like the old days where you'd be at school and you'd be <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that show's on tonight. And then you would all talk about it the next day exactly. collectively. So there's some nostalgia. They're bringing back the water cooler conversation. They are. And speaking of nostalgia... Scream. The new mm. Scream is in cinemas. Uh, the original hit our screens back in 1996 and it kind of revitalised the horror genre or at least took aim at it. In You know, it pointed to films like Halloween, Friday the 13th and so forth. And I think what made Scream so fresh is that it had this ability to poke fun at those familiar horror tropes and cliches. Do you remember, you remember Scream, don't you? Of course. Who was the first person on screen in, in the first Scream? Oh, 
who was it? Yeah. Drew Barrymore. That's the one. Yay! <laughs> I thought I was like, who are you testing me? Well, yeah. I mean, Ghostface tests people, doesn't he? Yes. Um, do you yes. like scary movies? Yeah, do you like scary movies? <laughs> yep, she's at home making her popcorn. Yep. She's got a little bob. That old school, like, and it was like the, the these pans in America that they buy these pans with the foil on top and yeah. then they put it onto the hob. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that was before microwave popcorn. It's so funny. And, uh, yeah, and I love the way it just pointed fun at these films. There was so much satire. Mm, mm. And the original for people who either can't remember it or have just been living under a rock, it's centred around Sydney Prescott, played by Neve Campbell and her friends, who kind of have to uncover the this masked killer who's kind of behind a slate of brutal murders in the town of Woodsboro, made up. And the the three like main characters that came through the whole series was uh, Neve Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette. Yes, um, exactly. Because there was a, a couple of films following. There was a, a mm. two and three which followed Scream yeah. One, and then you also had in two thousand and eleven Scream Four. Oh, okay. And then the, that was kind of you just kind of ignore that. But <laughs> this one's just titled Scream. But um, is it a sequel to the original films? No, it's not. No, but ah. it does bring in some original people. Right, okay. So, and I don't know if I'm going to spoil it. Although, actually, no, I'm not because it's on the front, the big cover. Mm-hmm. So, there's a big cover, the poster. You do see David Arquette, Courtney Cox and Neve Campbell return for this film. Right, okay. And that's not a spoiler because they are on the big front um, cover of this one. But, yeah, so 26 years later, you've got the fifth instalment in the franchise and it's also titled Just Scream and it takes kind of aim at the modern horror world. And it critiques fandom, sequels, and even the Scream films itself. So it has a go at itself. Mm-hmm. And there's references throughout to the originals as well. Um, I'm not going to go into the plot too much because it's very similar to the setup of the original. You've got a masked killer, got to figure out who it is. And you've got, um, even though you do have those familiar faces, you've got a bunch of new people in the film as well. So I suppose it is a bit of a sequel in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of set up as a not a sequel if that makes sense. Right. But the result of the film is a real heavy meta film. It's got lots of fun mock. It mocks itself. It mocks its own existence. Um, it makes fun of the horror tropes again. And is it, is it funny though? Because I, I saw the trailer. Yeah. I was going, this doesn't seem as funny as Scream should be. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. It's, it's not a perfect film, but it's fun to watch. And there's a couple of really funny scenes which I'll try and describe. But you know when you're watching a horror film and there's that suspense building as to, say, someone opens a door and you expect the killer to be behind the door. The false scare? The false scare. Mm. And they're not. Well, there was a scene where someone's in a kitchen and they're, co- they're opening a door, cupboard, fridge, and they're going back and forth. <laughs> and I think he opens about eight different doors. Each one of these you're expecting the killer to be behind, but he's not. <laughs> so it's this false sense of like the false scare is there, but for an extended period mm. of time than it usually is because usually you get maybe one or two of those in a horror and then the killer's there. But yeah. in this one, it's like eight or, or, or ten and it's like, oh, my God, it's this really tense <laughs> moment. Um, they replay the famous um, scene from the first film where someone's at home alone. What's your favourite scary movie? You've got to answer some questions. But instead of the killer just being able to get into the house like he did so easily, he's got to deal with some really interesting security measures <laughs> because things have changed. Yeah. Right, you've got the um, the ability to lock your house with your phone and, and things like that. So it does kind of bring in new elements from today's society. And then you know, there's not just the landline 
anymore because who's going to answer the landline? You've got to answer your mobile. Yeah. Things like that. So not a perfect film but really enjoyable. It's not long uh, and the, the fun of it is you're sitting there guessing who the killer is because that's the beauty of these films, who's the killer. Um, so you've got to kind of work it out. And I just love seeing those um, familiar faces return. You know, Neve Campbell's great, um, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, um, all, all great. And, you know, the new group of people are really fantastic. You've got a Randy-type character oh, in yeah. this film, played by a female, uh, and she's continually... Because he, he was a character that was the film buff who yeah. kept on saying how, you know... You never go downstairs yeah, alone. Yeah, all the film of, tropes, yeah. Exactly. And, um, yeah, so you've got, a f- you know, a female version of that in the film. Uh, and, you know, if you've seen the the original film, then there's a lot that you can, yeah, it, it's quite funny. I quite enjoyed it. And it's that old school slasher. Um, yeah. And, you know, make sure the killer's dead. Make sure <laughs> the killer is dead when you think it's dead because it might not be dead. The double tap. The double tap. <laughs> and there's always more than one killer, yeah. remember that, in Scream. So, um, yeah, have fun guessing who it is. But, um, yeah, good fun. I really enjoyed this film. Um, uh, no, I want to watch it. Yeah, you'll enjoy Dang, it. You will. It's a bit it's silly, but it's it's just enough. So I'm gonna score it four capes. Four capes. Hmm, interesting. Because ghost face wears a black cape. I mm-hmm. should have just said ghost face masks. Yeah. Well that's too original. No. He wears a cloak. It's a cloak, a cloak he wears. Thank you. Yes. A cloak, yeah. yes, a cloak. So Scream is out now. King Richard is out now. The Hating Game is out now. And Fringe is playing. So we've covered lots <laughs> in today's episode of Unscripted, the film show. We still have a few minutes left, though. We've got heaps of time. We though. actually have heaps of time. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to get through things so quickly, but um, we did. So, I don't know. What have you been watching on, on the streamings? Uh, well, I've been watching um, Book of Boba Fett. That's uh, one of the things I look forward to every week. And uh, fans of uh, The Mandalorian would be very excited by this week's episode of The Book of Boba Fett because uh, it's basically a Mandalorian episode. Nice. <laughs> um, which is great, but uh, I'm, like, enjoying Boba Fett and uh, I didn't get to see him this week, so I was uh, a bit frustrated. But uh, there'll be more uh, Boba Fett next week, so that's all right. Um, also, I mentioned before about Peacemaker, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, and we've been uh, also watching Just Like That, the, uh, the Sex and the City, new, the new kind of Sex and the City show with just like that. Just like that. It's on binge as well, uh, and it is the like you know uh, catching up with uh, Carrie Miranda and um, who's the other one? Uh, Carrie. Mar- oh, do you know what? I am the wrong person to uh, ask. I am the wrong person. Uh, Carrie Miranda, uh, not Samantha, because she's not in it. Um, like but. Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte's Charlotte. the other one. Uh, yeah, so you catch up with them and it's like, you know, I don't know what it is, like 15 years later, 10 years later, um, and a, a big um, in, I think in the first episode, uh, have you heard uh, that, that, that bike, Peloton, the, the, the stationary bike? No. Well, there's there's a stationary bike, right? And in the first episode of Just Like That, um, Big dies of a heart attack while riding this thing. Now, don't get pissed with me if you haven't – if you, it's like, oh, my God, because <laughs> this, this show has been out for like six or seven weeks now. So, oh, okay. Sorry. Um, no spoilers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the – so the – yeah, basically, you know, he dies and the TV show and Just Like That is all about how Kerry kind of deals with the fact that – that he's dead oh. because I mean you look at um, 
Sex and the City. And the whole thing was kind of like her trying to come to the conclusion that he was the right person for her and eventually they get married and then it's all awesome. And never then, seen an episode of Sex you haven't City, seen it, ever. Really? Never. Okay. Is it worth watching? Uh, yeah, it's kind of good. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kinda, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's like, you know, the the sex life yeah. of single women in New York, which is a very vibrant city. It is very vibrant. They're, they're all like it's not your normal kind of sex life because these people are all very, you know, uh, affluent people. Yeah, They've don't got, ever seem to work. Yeah. Always have time for cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of lots of lots of dosh, and so, and then they go out on all these dates with these very sexy men, and they, <laughs> but you know, there was pushing the envelope. They were having sex on the screen, and so that was kind of good. Um, but uh, yeah, this is showing years later, uh, wow. and people. That's the thing is because people age, and you, you know, people you know change the what they want in life and those yep. kind of things. So I think it's good showing th- these kind of things. Um, although it's like the old one was so based. On their sex lives and everything like that. This one here, they didn't call it Sex in the City, like to extend it because uh, there's not as much sex in the show. Uh, it's more kind of like dealing with what life throws at you. Mm. So the curveballs that life throws at you. Yeah. So I, I'd, I'd recommend if you want to, if you were a fan, and yeah. I don't know why you haven't been watching this already. Um, and if you're not a not a fan, then you probably won't watch anyway. But can uh, you pick up? On this, if you haven't seen, yeah, easy, easy. easy. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's fairly understandable. Um, yeah. But it's still it's still good. I mean, as I said, if you like those characters, uh, you know, it's a chance to go back and revisit them. Mm-hmm. And it's just unfortunate that um, uh, Samantha, who I can't remember the actress's name, <laughs> uh, she's not in it. She oh. just decided she didn't want to be in it. So yeah. they mentioned the character and that yeah. sort of thing, but yeah, she's, she's not actually in it. Not yeah. in the, not well, in the at show. least they didn't do that bizarre thing where they get someone else to play her and it's super obvious oh, that it's not yeah. the same person yeah. and it kind of throws you. So I actually think that's probably the better decision. Mind you, though, it would have been good because her character was always the most you know sexually active and mm. sexually aggressive character. She's sexually yeah. aggressive. <laughs> and she was also older than... Oh. The, the other uh, women in the show. And so if they did have her back and if she was still like still had the same desires and stuff mm. like that, it would have been interesting to show a person in their later years uh, who was still very much into their sex life. Right. Because the last time we saw anything like that was the Golden Girls. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do remember the Golden Girls. Oh, I love the Golden Girls. And that was like a big thing in the Golden Girls, how like they were all still in their, you know, what was it, 70s or yeah. 80s, which is ridiculous to think of because, you know, we've only just uh, lost Betty White. Yeah. And, and you know, she was, the Golden Girls must be about 30 years ago. Yeah, and they were still old, weren't they? Exactly, exactly, yeah. It's, it's insane. Yeah, I know. I see it pop up every now and again. But, um, yeah, so Kim Cattrall was Kim Cattrall, that's the yeah. very one, yes. Yeah. yeah, and then you had, um, obviously, Sarah Jessica Parker mm-hmm. plays Carrie Bradshaw, Kristen Davis plays Charlotte, and then Cynthia Nixon plays Miranda. Yeah. Um, and then there's a bunch of other characters who mean nothing to me. <laughs> All men, so there must have been the men that they were kind of seeing throughout. Yeah. But oh, Cynthia- Vince Vaughn was in it. There at some point. Yeah. Cynthia Nixon, uh, her character of uh, Miranda actually has a very interesting arc in, in mm. this in the show. Um, but yeah, I won't, I won't delve into that. I like people who go and watch the show and discover that for themselves. Excellent. There you go. I've been watching a lot of reality TV recently reality. for some bizarre reason. Mm. I find it kind of 
therapeutic in a way mm. to watch other people's bizarre lives <laughs> on screen. I don't know why. I just do. But, um, yeah, I've been watching a lot. I think there's a lot on Binge that you can kind of watch. There was um, a TV show called Extreme Sisters, mm. which is all about the strange relationships of twins and, and other sisters and things like that. There's even a set of Perth twins. Uh in this series. Right. I don't can't remember their names, but they're basically um they dress identical, they do everything together, they have to eat the same amount. The Perth twins. Yes. Oh, they date the same they guy. Date the same oh, guy. Oh wow. Um they're That's... they're featured in this series. And it's quite interesting going from America because most of the twins and sisters are in America and then you come across to Perth and they've got the, their accents. Oh God, it's really hard to watch. But um yeah, really bizarre relationships with them. Um but yeah I've never actually seen the Perth sisters. Um have you ever met them? Oh, Hector, I've seen photographs of them. But, yeah, because always, inevitably, it'll be an article about them dating the same guy, which is just a little bit, you know, gross. It is Um, really (laughs) bizarre. And they they don't really go into detail much about it, but I remember them saying on, I don't know how much I can share on air, but on, on the show they say, well, whatever the sister has, the other sister gets to. So whatever, take that how you want to yeah. take that. <laughs> I won't say any more, but yeah, it's it's quite bizarre. So um, it's good to be close to your siblings, yeah. just not that close. Yeah, even <laughs> twins, you would think they would want some distance or some separate mm. life. I can't imagine being around that the same person. But there's some American twins featured in this um, one as well. It's quite weird. So there was an American, um, two sisters who got married to two twin boys as well. So well, at least that, there's two of them. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes it's more so sense. so weird. <laughs> and then they had kids and I'm like, there's so much shared DNA here. Yeah. Like how does this actually work? Like it's so bizarre because twins share the same DNA. So if the two women have the same DNA and the two men have the same DNA, what do the babies have? Well, they, they, that's all good because uh, the, the babies would like have Are similar. They bo- do they have two fathers and two mothers? No, no, they've got one father and one mother. Yeah. Because it just happens like, you know, even though it's uh, identical so twins, weird. marriage or identical twins, it's still just the, the DNA of each of those couples mixing together. How does that even happen though? How do but, you meet two other people and both? Like, it's so- I guarantee you that twins go to like groups where there's other twins <laughs> and that's group why they're dating. Well, yeah, that, that's even, had to have been Not that even way. group dating. It's kind of like just, you know, because twins are yeah. kind of, uh, there's not a lot of them, like yeah. really. I mean, in the scheme of things, it's yeah. kind of unusual for an egg to split in two and then you have identical people being born at True. the same time. So they must have groups where it's just like, we're all identical. Come they go and, to conferences. Yeah, yeah have, have an identical <laughs> conference and that. That's and so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. so that, I guarantee that's how it happens, particularly in America. America seems like the kind of place where you'd have twin conferences. I think so. But, yeah, it's called Extreme Sisters. It's on Binge. It's quite interesting to watch if you if you like that kind of stuff. Um as well and then I was watching an episode of Hoarders last night for funsies just to see um, hoarding is such a strange bizarre thing because the the people that is not do they hoard particular things or is it just they will just grab everything? It just depends. The particular episode I watched was about a lady who would just go to thrift shops mm-hmm. and just buy things and just hoard and her entire house, this three-storey mansion, was packed, every floor, staircase, with so much crap, books, basket, just crap, like honestly, the top floor was sinking in because of all the stuff. So it was a fire hazard and a building hazard and basically the family intervened and were like, no, we're taking all your stuff and just it was bizarre. Like her attachment to particular items for no reason at all other than she just wanted them. 
it's it's really interesting. It's such an interesting um, mental kind of mm. disorder that yeah, you don't fully kind of understand it. But I'm interested to watch more episodes <laughs> just to find out a little bit more about the um, background of it because this lady wasn't very open to talking about hoarding. She kind of was just like, they basically just go in and take all your stuff out and clean out the house. Mm. But don't they just get, start again? That's what I'm thinking. Well, yeah. she was collecting stuff as they was ta- they were taking it out. Like she started hoarding stuff next to her as they were pulling it out of the house. So she was grabbing things. And none of it was like newspapers and magazines and just things that, you, yeah, really, mm. really bizarre. But anyway, if you like that kind of stuff, then Binge has got a really good um, section for reality TV. I think I'm a reverse hoarder because, like, <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, I collect stuff. Uh, but, I, you know, on the weekend it was like Santa Cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we don't need that TV stand anymore. Yep. Uh, and the, the wheelbarrow, are we ever going to get a new uh, trading on the wheelbarrow? Do we really need it? And yeah. so we got rid of that. Uh, and then we got rid of this there was this box of uh, Tupperware yep. and I managed to not get rid of the Tupperware but I got rid of the box. So that's something, you know, um, baby steps. about getting rid of stuff, decluttering. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. So it's it, it, it's good. And then my my comic room, I bought a new uh, shelving unit, um, just to uh, like get more stuff off up off the floor. But I've got things I need to move off, move move out from there, like uh, video, old videos and um, uh, players and and stuff like that. Yeah. I need to figure out if they still work or not. <laughs> There's a difference between order and chaos. Oh, yeah. And I think if you've got things like collectible items and you've got them ordered well, then it's fine. It's just when it's you've got things for no bloody reason and you can't move in your own house. Mm. Anyway, we are completely done. Uh, join us on Facebook, Instagram, listen to the podcast, The Gentleman of Pop Culture, where you'll find this, Tangent City and Diz Down Under. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture.